Hello everyone and welcome back to Partners in Crime. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Caroline. And this week we're going to be talking about two different cases again. My case is the Heyman Lee case. And I will be talking about uh, Caroline Grills. The Heyman Lee case is more commonly known as the Adnan Saeed case. Heyman Lee was an immigrant from South Korea. She moved to Baltimore with her mom and younger brother in 1992. She was an athlete at her high school, Woodlawn High School. She played lacrosse and field hockey. She was remembered as the quiet but popular girl and was well-liked by all the students that she went to school with. On January 13, 1999, her family reported her missing after she didn't pick up her little cousin from daycare. She was last seen leaving campus at the end of the school day, and almost a month later, the Baltimore Sun reported that a body was found at Leakin Park and was identified to be her. It was found in a place that was reportedly a common dumping ground for homicide victims. Oh. Yeah. Um, she was also 18 at the time. Um, I don't think I said that. But the first theory that police came up with um, was that it could have been a connection to another 18-year-old that was killed um, in the same way and was dumped in uh, also a wooded area. Um, it, I want to point out that the Lincoln Park area, it was very wooded. Mm-hmm. It was just in the woods. And, um, but that theory was very quickly dismissed after an anonymous tip claimed that her ex-boyfriend, 17-year-old Anand Saeed, was responsible for the murder. And by the title of the case, we know that is correct. Is it, though? Oh, okay. Is it, though? I would like to think so. <laughs> You're going to find out okay. if it is. One of his friends, Jay Wilds, told police that he expressed intentions of killing her and that he helped bury, that Jay helped bury the body after he confessed to killing her. But Jay denied everything at the beginning of the questioning and he eventually said this to police, but throughout the testimonies, his story changes. Um, He said that they went to McDonald's together that day and that then he later said that they were at a friend's house. All of his interviews were suspicious and showed signs of coercion. And one of the podcasts that covered this said that, pointed out that there were tapping sounds and then Jay would say an answer that police were looking for. Jay had said that he, during the testimony, he said that he met um, Adnan somewhere and he showed him the trunk of the car and she was in it and she was dead. And he, like, described details that I feel like were too descriptive. Okay. yes. And I don't know if that was, he did it or it was coercion or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was from one of the podcasts I listened to. And the podcast I'm mentioning a lot is a serial podcast. That's what it's called. Um, it kind of made this case famous because she uncovered a lot of stuff about it. It's really interesting. It's on Spotify. Check it out. <laughs> Little plug. Little plug. On February 28th, Adnan was charged for first-degree murder, um, just based off of that. And the trial began in December and ended in a mistrial three days later after the jurors overheard the judge accuse his lawyer of lying. Um, I could not find much information about that. Not sure why that happened. What was he, what was he lying about? She No, she said that, the ju- that his um, lawyer was lying. And what was he lying about? I I couldn't Maybe you should get a new lawyer. Yeah. I mean, they did. Okay, good. They did after that. Um, The second trial began in January of 2000, and it lasted six weeks. Um, During the trial, it was confirmed that Hay and Adnan um, had been dating 
They dated in 1998, and they had to keep their relationship a secret due to cultural and religious beliefs of their parents. Um, for context, Hay was a South Korean immigrant, and her parents were very, I guess, strict, you would say, about yeah. like dating and everything. Um, and then he was a Muslim, um, and they were very religious and very strict with him. Like He couldn't talk to girls he couldn't go out he couldn't do anything besides like be home and school how old was he he was 17 at the time this happened and she was 18 okay they were both in high school together um and they eventually split because they were tired of the complications because they had to hide everything they had like a secret little thing this is from the podcast the um, they had like a certain like like code like system for like calling each other because mm. they would wait until their parents were asleep and they like did something with the phones that it wouldn't ring and that they like, could talk to each other because mm-hmm. nobody could like their parents couldn't find out about them um but the police they broke up because of complications and then she had started dating someone else so that's also a reason that they broke up mm-hmm. but um the police used this as a mode of saying that he was extremely angry and upset about the breakup and that he was obsessive over it and that he wanted to kill her because of it. But um, the serial podcast I listened to, she actually talked to him on the phone in jail. Oh, oh. And he said that it was like a normal high school breakup. Yeah. Like, you were sad at first, but then you move on. And, yeah. like, he was dating other girls. She was dating other boys. They were friends. They yeah. talked to each other. There was no, he was not going to kill her. There was right. no feelings about that. And according to this article that I read, um, apparently he was clueless throughout the entire investigation. Like, when he was talking to police, he did not know he was a suspect until he was arrested. What? He thought he was helping them. Like, he thought he was helping them find her body and, like, figure out who did it. I feel like that has to be legal. Yeah, I, there's some shady police work in this, I think, from what I've read. I just feel like you, like, have to tell them, like, hey, you're under investigation, by the way. Whatever you, I don't know. Whatever like, they were just questioning him, and then he got arrested. Okay. After Jay said the stuff that he said. Okay. Um, but the jury believed that motive, and they sentenced him life to prison with 30 years extra added to that. Um, but on top of all of this, this is, like, the after things that I read and saw from the podcast... Um, but, um, a lot of people thought that they were blinded by the Muslim heritage, that they Mm -hmm. were using that against him, that they just wanted to pin it on him because he was Muslim. What year was this again? This isn't, it, she died in 1999, but the trial was in 2000. Oh, then of course 9-11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, 9-11 was in 2001. But, I mean, the bombing thing happened, right? Oh. In 1993, there was a world, uh, there was a bombing at the World Trade Center before it, like, they, they took him down. Um, so, yeah, it was in 93. So, they're basically in the height of all of this propaganda against yeah. um, those countries. But, yeah, they were basically saying that he had to have done this because he was Muslim, so he had the potential to do it because he was mm-hmm. Muslim. I don't like that. Um, but um, a former classmate named Asia McLean came out saying that she saw... Um, Adnan at the library the day of the murder and um like he was at the library during that time Mm -hmm. but she was never questioned she never got put on the stand as like a character witness or just anything right and um 
the podcast that I was listening to about this said that she wrote a letter about it and they never questioned that at all. They mm-hmm. completely dismissed it and just ignored that he was somewhere right. when that happened. Um, it didn't help their case. The Serial podcast talked to her on the phone as well. And she has they, all the connections. Yeah, it's a really good podcast, especially for this. They have like a whole season on this case, mm-hmm. but I've only listened to three episodes. But... Um, she said that she didn't want to get involved now, like, because he's still in jail, and she didn't want to get involved now because she's, like, she believes the police, like, do their job, and that, um, you know, if they think that he did it, then he probably did it, and she doesn't want to, like, try to get him out of jail because she doesn't know, <sighs> but she said she saw him at the library, she talked to his family during that time, saying that, like, she, she kind of put herself into it, but then she wasn't, Put on trial. I don't know. It's kind of weird to me that she would do all of that. It would have like, cause the I think the juror was all is it unanimous? Yeah. Um, about it, but I feel like if you had that in there, people would be like, wait a second, like, yeah. like that's, you have this information yeah. that could get this guy out of jail, and you're like, well, I don't. Yeah, I I don't know why she's not coming out about that, but yeah, and that podcast actually said something about how that she might have been paid to keep her mouth shut. Um, because it's just weird. Like, mm-hmm. why would you let someone go to jail for life when someone else did it? Just throughout the whole, like, the evidence and, like, the specific details about her, it doesn't match with what the police were saying. For example, they said that he killed her at 2.36 p.m. and then placed her body in the trunk to remove her five hours later and bury her around 7 or 8. But the problem with that is, according to the autopsies, that rigor mortis would have partially set in, and it wasn't. Did they do any forensic testing in the car? Yes. The car, the only thing in her car was fingerprints from him, but it was like, they had been hanging out. Right. Like, it wasn't anything crazy. And apparently, the podcast said that there was like a map, like, because you know, you used to have to have the book, yeah. the map book. But um, there was... A page of like where like this park was and like the school and the house and everything but his fingerprints weren't on that his fingerprints were only on the back of it like he had been holding it mm-hmm. like he hadn't looked through it right so he couldn't really map out anything if you weren't looking at it and he also said that he did not know where that park was this park is 30 minutes I think they said it about like 20 to 30 minutes outside of where they actually lived mm-hmm. and he had never been there didn't know where it was so, yeah. yeah, and during that time, you have to be, like, pretty familiar with the area to yeah. get there without the map. Yeah. So, okay, that makes sense. Um, that's the only DNA evidence that I saw. He didn't, that's, like, the only DNA evidence they found. There's no, no other blood. DNA evidence about him. Nothing else? At all. Um, but they also, the podcast also said this, is that um, his friends said that he, like, would drink and smoke with them and, like, obviously hide that from his parents because of their beliefs and everything. But he would also, like, go, um, um, but apparently he would go to the mosque and pray every night, and his dad would stay there sometimes, um, like, during the religious holidays, mm-hmm. and he would go and, like, take in things. But other than that, like, he didn't really do much. Like, he did typical high school boy things, I feel like. Yeah. And, like, hid stuff from his parents, obviously. Like, but like they we all did. Yeah, like, everybody does. And they, um... They took that and pinned it as he was, like, a terrible kid and, like, a bad like person I guess yeah which is really annoying because in the podcast they were all saying we all did this like you could pin that on any of us especially age 17 yeah 
And if your parents are so... Man, that makes me upset. Yeah. Um, but uh, the last episode of this podcast that I keep mentioning that <laughs> I listened to, um, they talked about a n- man that they use the name Mr. S, but his real name is Alonzo Sellers. And he's the guy that found the body. Um, apparently he was, like, drunk or something, and he had to go pee, so he went into the woods to pee, and he saw her body there. But according to them, the pictures, you cannot see a body if you were just standing there. It's suspicious. Like, it's very hidden, and they didn't understand how, at night, he saw that body. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Oh, nighttime? Yeah. Okay. Like, they don't know how... I believe they said it was nighttime. I don't know if that's 100%, like, facts, but... Uh, he was drinking, and there was a liquor bottle found there, but I don't think it was for him. Um, but he has a record of, like, being a creepy person. Like, he stalked, he had, not stalked, he was a streaker and, like, would expose himself in front of women mm-hmm. all the time. Like, it was just, he was not a good person. Um, but they never put him as a suspect. They just kind of, okay, you found the body. Okay. Which is also strange to me considering he has a record and I couldn't, I tried to look for the picture. I couldn't really find a good one, but the pictures that I did see, I did not see a body. Like, I don't know if it was supposed to be there, but they had the pictures of mm-hmm. like the actual, when police got there, where she was, they said they could only barely see hair. And they were like, where are we supposed to be looking? Like, how did he find right. that? After drinking. And they didn't even question him? Like, Yeah. And he just stumbled across that because he had to go pee in the woods. Likely story. Yeah. But that's basically all of it. Um, There's just a lot with the, um, like, trying to get him on trial again. There's basically um, just a lot of, about just trying to get him on trial again with DNA testing and trying to um, get him out of jail because most people don't think, well... I don't want to say most people, but I feel like a lot of people don't think he did this. Mm-hmm. That podcast popularized it, and then multiple podcasts have talked about it, um, just siding with him, saying that he's innocent, and um, there's apparently a documentary on HBO about it, um, but I think he's innocent. I kind of think Jay is a little suspicious, because I did, during the podcast, they did play like his testimony, mm-hmm. and you can hear tapping, and you can just, he stutters a lot, he pauses a lot. And just his story, like, the way he's talking, it kind of sounds like he does not care about it. Like, he's not sad. He's very lifeless. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a lot of cases, when you have someone like that, they're the ones that did it. See, I think that they probably told him, like, we know he did it, but we need your testimony to, like, solidify it. And so he was probably scared because they were saying, like, if we find out you had something to do with it, you're going to jail. So if you don't admit it right now, then you're going to jail with him. So they probably, like, offered him immunity or whatever oh yeah for and sure so he was just really scared that's what I, I don't feel like he did it i think this mr s guy needs to be looked into i think he needs to be looked into i think i don't know i feel like jay needs to be looked into a little bit mm-hmm. um there was something that the podcast did mention about him and like her and like some other like like a relationship type of issue i can't really specifically remember so i don't really want to talk about it um but I don't know. I think he's a little suspicious. And then, obviously, the Mr. S guy is suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish they would talk to that Asia girl more because I feel like that's that's very... Like, that evidence needs to be looked at, right. I think, the fact that he was somewhere else. But, I mean, at this point, could they even prove? Like, 
I, did they have security systems like that? Maybe if he checked out a book or something, mm, yeah. they would write, like have a record of that. But yeah. they even still have that. I don't know. Like I'm that's sure it was, been, like paper. Yeah. Um, but the only thing like from that that they actually have is that she wrote a note, and that's the only thing that they have. Okay. And I don't know why she wrote a note, but she wrote a note um, explaining that interesting i'm definitely gonna watch that documentary and i'm gonna finish that podcast because i just want to know more about it um i hope he get. i hope he gets like a second trial oh, or yeah, like something sure. uh they have like the innocence project maybe mm-hmm. i think that could be something for him um last time on the wikipedia page it says 2019 was the last time that he tried to appeal but it was rejected by the supreme court you know how long he has before he can appeal again um i don't know What's the time frame for that? That was November 25th. Um, I feel like it's maybe different for each case, but I think it's usually like two years. Maybe soon. Yeah. He can again. Um, I feel like because that podcast and another podcast, like, they made a, um, like, the Free Britney Project, like, something like that. Yeah. They put together, like, a whole thing, and they have a bunch of people working on it, just trying to get him out with lawyers and everything. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of Making a Murder. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that, but how, like, people are coming together after that Netflix documentary to get Stephen Avery out mm-hmm. and Brendan Dassey out. Um, it reminds me of that, just the way everybody is with it. But I do hope he gets out, or at least goes on trial with more evidence and more... It really doesn't seem like he did it. And especially, I wish they could have, like, done DNA evidence. Like, if they didn't find any um, blood evidence or anything like that in the car, then, like, obviously her body wasn't in there, and that story doesn't make sense anymore. And that's proof right there that Jay, is that his name? Jay's testimony isn't worth anything. Yeah. If that doesn't add up, then what's the rest of it? Yeah. There was, like, no DNA evidence in any cars. Uh, besides, like, him being in the car, like, right, just being is, in the car. And they had dated, so yeah. obviously it makes, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so the family's pretty well off because her husband was a real estate agent, and that was a pretty good job during this time. Um, but in 1948, her father died, and she left. he left her the house under the condition that her stepmother could live there until her death. So she moved in, and this, like, was a good economic, like, stand-up for the family. Um, and it was her stepmother, Christina was said to be like in great health during this time. She was like, you know, still up and running. And, but when she was 87, she fell ill and Caroline offered to take care of her because she was described as a kind, dumpy woman who was known for making the neighbors teas, cakes, and biscuits. And the neighbors called her aunt Carrie. So shortly later, Christina died, and everyone was happy, though, because she was cared for by her loving stepdaughter, and they thought, like, you know, her final days were good ones, so it was okay. So Caroline's husband, Richard, had a sister-in-law named Angelina Thomas, who had in her will that Richard would be the owner of her home after she had died, and Caroline would frequently visit her, and they would share a couple of cups of tea, But in January 1948, Angelina passed away, but it was not considered unnatural because she was in her late 80s, so people just kind of thought it was, you know, old age. Um, The family inherited the home, and this increased their economic status even more. But later the same year, uh, the couple went out on a holiday with her husband's brother-in-law, John Lindbergh, where Caroline was in charge of the tea and biscuit making, and shortly after they returned home, John died at the age of 60. 
This one is a bit weird. I'll, I'll break it right now. Caroline's killing these people. Um, they didn't get anything from this. Like, there's no financial or, like, property gain from this. So, it just seems like she murdered him for no reason. In February 1949, Caroline's sister-in-law, Mary Ann Nicholson, became ill. She was bedridden, blind, and she started losing her hair. And Caroline would go visit her and attempted to nurse her back to help, uh, to health, but she died on February 15th of that year. Um, and it was also during this time that Caroline would visit John Lundberg's widow, Evelyn, to comfort her on the passing of her husband, and she would always bring her tea and biscuits. Um, and before long, Evelyn fell ill, and she started to lose her sight and ability to talk. Her daughter, Christine, began to show similar symptoms, and they started to connect the dots that they only felt ill after Caroline left. So, it was also during this time that another woman in Australia was just sentenced for some jail time because she had murdered her first and second husband using thallium, which was rat poison. It's found in rat poison. And so, Evelyn's son-in-law, John, read the story in the newspaper and realized that the symptoms that they were having were also very similar to the one described in the newspaper. The next time Carolyn came to visit, John poured the tea that she had made for them into a jar and took it to the police to have it tested for thallium. And the results were positive, believe it or not. So then the police went to Carolyn's house and they found traces of thallium in her dress pocket. Um, and they began tracing the recent deaths of their family members and other friends and established that they were all victims of thallium poisoning based on their like physical symptoms that they were like described having at death, which like I don't understand how these people are like going blind and losing their hair and then they die and everyone's like, well, she was 80. Are they really saying it's just age? That that's, that, why that's, that's what happening? they believed at first, yeah. That's crazy. Everyone she was killing was like older than her. Yeah. But like, I don't, you just randomly start losing your hair and like not being able to talk, you get out of the bed and they're like, okay. I feel like at that time though, well, wait, it's the 40s. 40s. Okay, wait, I don't know why I was thinking it was like the 1800s, the late 1800s. That's when she was born. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Um, No, that's true. Like, I feel like in the 40s, you know better. Like, if it was late 1800s, then maybe. But not the 40s. I guess maybe, I didn't look into this, maybe they were like in a small village where like the doctors, they only had like a like a local doctor you know mm-hmm. that wasn't like that expertise and then also i just um like barbers were surgeons back then so like i mean come on the police were able to exhume two of the bodies and they tested the corpse for traces of thallium which it came back positive and it was reported that when caroline was told of this that like oh hey someone poisoned a lot of your family members her response was well fancy that in may of 1953 she was arrested um and then in, she, she pleaded not guilty. She told the courts that the police exaggerated the amounts of evidence and told how, of course, she would have thallium, like traces of thalliums on her clothes because that's what she was using to keep like the rats out of her house. So obviously, you know, that's why it's in my dress pocket. <laughs> Specifically the dress pocket to keep the rats out. Um, but it should be noted that she was said to have been smiling through the entire proceedings. And then she was also laughing when they were, like, talking about the deaths. So, so she was, in October of 1953, she was charged with four murders and three attempted murders against mostly her family members. So, it was her stepmother in November 1947, 
a family member of her husband, Angelina Thomas, in January 1948. Her brother's, her husband's brother-in-law in late 1948, and then also the sister-in-law that following year. And then they charged her with attempted murders on one of her stepmother's friends in 1949. And then a sister-in-law, or the sister-in-law, Miss Evelyn, and her daughter, Miss Christine, Evelyn's daughter. Um, so she was just killing like random people. Like her st- her stepmother's friend, what are you gaining from that? So they didn't get any money, any... She, well, okay, she got her, she didn't want her stepmother in the house. She didn't like her stepmother. So then she killed her. She killed so her. So she was gone. And then the reason she killed the, her husband's sister-in-law is because she was, she had promised him a house. So then they got another house. But then everyone else, they, she didn't get anything from them. There was no, like, will or anything. Her brother-in-law or his brother-in-law, and, like, they didn't leave anything to him. They probably left it to their children. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So <laughs> the in the court, they were saying, the um, prosecutor was saying that she at first was killing for, like, monetary gain, but then she just started getting, like, a kick out of seeing them die. And, like, knowing that she had caused that. So, that's that was their, like, story, I guess. That she... Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, but... Regardless, she was convicted on October 15th of 1953 and was sentenced to death, but was later changed to life in prison. And she became known as Aunt Thally to the other inmates of the prison because of her method of killing... With thallium, and she would put it in their tea, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Um, and then in 1916, she was rushed to a hospital where she died from parentitis from a ruptured gastric ulcer. A lot of people, like it said that in the, um, when that guy read the newspaper, he was like, I, I had no idea that like a woman this kind could do things like but this. she looks so nice. Like your average grandmother. I would drink her tea and eat her biscuit. But yeah, it's really sad. So her husband was like supportive didn't, of it? Yeah, didn't believe she did any of it. Really? Even though they like had evidence mm-hmm. that she did. But also like he she was killing his family members. Yeah, I was gonna say, what if they all in laws to her? Yeah, like <laughs> he's like, I don't think you killed my family. Maybe he maybe he was in on it. Maybe he didn't like her brother in law. Yeah, maybe he wanted his own family dead. Maybe they were just a crazy couple. Maybe. Nobody thought that because they were all, you know, innocent. And he was like, I mean, if you're a real estate agent in that time, I feel like you're probably well known in the town. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to think that he knew. But then at the same time, like, even when that guy had evidence, like, almost of her doing it, he it was still, like, hard to, it was still hard for him to, like, believe that. Because she was such a nice person that did, like, make tea for everyone and was, like, really sweet. Hmm. What snapped in her is what I want to know. Maybe it had to do with that that second child dying. Mm. Was that, like, around the same time? No. (laughs) Uh, No, that happened, like, much earlier. Hmm. What if she killed people before and, like, it was never found out? Yeah, no, it must have been, like, 20 years after her son had died. What did he die from? He just died? 
A tragic accident is the only thing I could find. Like, that's so suspicious <laughs> to me. Like, she's poisoning people and her son died of a tragic accident. Yeah. Do you think maybe that... I feel like that's a step too far. What? Saying that she poisoned her kid? For her to poison her own kid. What a tragic that, accident. What if... Okay. Going off something completely... What if... Okay, she saw her son die from typhoid. The one that... There are mm-hmm. two that died. Okay, yeah. I forgot about him. Um... She saw him die from typhoid and, like, watched him suffer. And so she wanted to enact that on other people. Mm. Did the kid that actually got sick and died, did he die first before a tragic accident child? I'm pretty sure. That's that's what they made it seem, yeah. So then she got devastated about that, and then she was like, well, I'm going to kill my other son. And then she just kind of... Waited a little bit and then killed more family members. Okay. Building off that theory, the one with typhoid was the favorite. So yes. she killed the least favorite and yes. was like, this isn't fair. Yeah. There we go. How many? There were six. Mm-hmm. One girl. Five boys. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, favorite child dies, you had to kill the least favorite. The one with typhoid, the way he got it was he was a lifeguard at a beach. And he gave someone CPR and got it. That sucks. Yeah. So he he must have been like 18. But I felt like that was like her first maybe. I don't know. Um, I couldn't find specific dates. But I want to know the family tree. I want to know <laughs> when they were born, how old they were when they died. I bet they Who don't want... Because I bet they're still alive. Maybe. The kids? No. I'm sorry. I, no. I don't think the kids are... I mean, they might be. They'll be old if yeah. they are. Like very old. I feel like 80. 100. She was born. She got married. Wait, when did the first child die? You don't know? I don't know. But you know he was a lifeguard. Yeah, that's all I could. Yeah. Is there names? No. You can't just look up. I want to know. Bro, this is the Wikipedia page. That's it? That's the shortest Wikipedia page I've ever seen. I had to watch a YouTube video that, like, told about it, actually. Well, at least you found. Because this is what I was saying. Like, I can't find much information, Mm -hmm. but then I found that. Um, no, it just says, the last sentence is, in the months that followed, more cases of thallium poisons were poisoning was stated, including, notably, prominent Australian rugby league footballer Bobby Lunham. I don't think she did that to him, though. I think a lot of people were just, like, poisoning people. It's like the Tylenol murders. Like, yeah. it was... Those are good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't... That was just the thing that people did that poison people? Because there was, um... A big rat problem, so you could go to like any corner store and buy rat. Yeah. The one sentence that I could find in the Murderpedia page was two of the boys died tragically, one as a result of typhoid contracted while working as a lifesaver at some beach. All the information I could find. And just tragic accident for the other? Yep. Hmm. I don't know, I just feel like it's a step further to like kill your own child. Yeah, but, like, if you go crazy after one of them dies, like, obviously, like, he got sick, like, you can't do anything. And at that time, they probably had no cure for anything. Mm-hmm. So. So you, you just think she killed the other one? I want to say she did. I mean, <laughs> I have no evidence, obviously. Right. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't she know. just hated all of her in-laws and she was offing them one by one. That's what I think. I mean, yeah. 
it still bothers me that it's the husband's like relative. Like I think that's so funny. Like she wasn't going after any of hers. She just hated her in laws. Mm-hmm. What would the kids think? I want to know the kids' point of view. Like your mom's killing all these people. Like your family members eating out by your mother. It took twelve minutes to find her guilty of murder. Twelve minutes? That has to be like a record somewhere. That's incredible. Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously it's from, like, 60 years ago, 80 years ago, whatever. This has been another episode of Partners in Crime. Thanks for listening. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Caroline. Tune in next week for another episode.